the optimal life. What's up, Chris? How are you today? Hi, Nate. I'm very good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. How did you get involved, Chris, in uh, the MMA world? I see you're a, a journalist and you're involved with several different publications, uh, Middle Easy and MMA Island. You're the editor-in-chief, according to your Instagram bio, and a couple others. H how did you get started in this? I, it all started when I was nine years old, uh, believe it or not. Uh, I was at like an uncle's house and I started, or not uncle, uh, like a friend's house. And, uh, you know, UFC came on, Rampage Jackson was out there howling, and I just got into the sport at a very young age, uh, took a break from it for a while, then uh, I actually went to a fitness expo with Cody Garbrandt and Paige Van Zandt, met them, and then, uh, you know, that kind of sparked something in me where uh, I got into the sport, you know, started watching fights, and uh, I don't know, it just really kicked off from there. Uh, my journalism career, kind of, it took a while to get back into it because I was still in high school. But as I matured more in high school, that's when I started to get into the journalism industry. So how long have you been doing this then since getting back into it? Uh, so I actually started uh, being a journalist back in right before COVID hit. So uh, right before COVID hit, uh, I didn't have much stuff to do. And then when the pandemic hit, you know, everybody was at home just looking for something to do. And that's where my passion for journalism and reporting kind of came to. Mm, that's interesting. Have you, how does it work with the UFC? These guys that are asking questions at the press post-fight press conferences, for example, is it credentialed like a NFL or professional league or do they just give certain people access? How does that work? Do you know? Uh, yeah. So with the UFC credentials, it's actually kind of hard to get them because only certain publications can get it. Like, you have to be, like, a, a pretty big website, a pretty popular website to get into it. So I applied with my uh, the website I'm the editor-in-chief for is middleeasy.com. And, uh, yeah, so th they were doing UFC coverage back in the day, so they got me credentials for that. But, yeah, it's very limited access. They don't give it to, like, a rookie off the block. You know, they give it to the people that they've seen put in the most work and get the most eyes. So have you done some of those press uh, conferences, questions? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I uh, my first one was at the UFC 271 press conference. Uh, spoke to Robert Whitaker, Israel Adesanya, uh, even Dana White. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I attended the press conference for that. Uh, I garnered some uh, – there's some controversy there. I asked about Joe Rogan. And, uh, but all in all, it was a very great experience, uh, a lot of exposure. Wait, were you the one that asked the question and Israel said something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, my question was, uh, what advice would you give to Joe Rogan? But before uh, before I asked, finished the question, Izzy just kind of stepped in and, right. you know, defended Joe Rogan. So I thought that was really cool. You too. gave Izzy a soundbite for the ages. That was fantastic. And then Joe Rogan Thanks. ended up reposting that on his page, I saw. So, oh, yeah. Good job. Yeah, it, was a, it was a big honor, man. This, uh, because I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan, so, like, a lot of people were calling me uh, – I think somebody called me like a live reporter even though I didn't even state any bias, which I kind of found funny. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Wait, that was a good they experience. Call, they called you what kind of reporter? Oh, they called me a liberal reporter for asking that question, which, you know, I didn't even say anything, anything of my opinion about that, so it was kind of funny. Right, right. Even even you now are getting uh, attacked <laughs> for asking. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. 
Hey, listen, uh, we talked – I wanted to start with this. We're going to get into the Colby Covington, George Masvidal, UFC 272 recap, which happened last night. We're recording this Sunday, the day after the fight. Um, But before we get there, I want to talk to you about Cain Velasquez, the former heavyweight champ, uh, being charged with attempted murder. Um, Tell us what you know about the case so far. So – uh, as you might have read online, um, you know, from reports, Cain Velasquez chased after a guy who allegedly uh, molested his daughter, a uh, 13-year-old daughter. And uh, that happened a week ago on Friday, a couple of days before the, the attempted murder. And it was at a daycare. Then Cain uh, heard about it. And the guy uh, from the... It's like a 43-year-old Harry Goulart or something like that. He got arraigned and released on uh, Friday. And, you know, obviously that's not good. And Cain Velasquez wanted some revenge. And, yeah, so he, uh, you know, he took it, He took the law into his own hands and, you know, tried to kill the guy. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's an unfortunate situation for Cain Velasquez and his family. Um it sucks to hear that about a former UFC champion, but, uh, you know, a lot of people say that they will do the same thing for the kids, and Kane actually did it. So uh, it was a very surprising story, and, uh, you know, I hope all the best for Kane throughout this time. So you actually – you're stating something different than what I've heard because a lot of media reports have talked about it being a four-year-old. Even Rogan, speaking of, when he had Bisbing on his uh, podcast the other day before the weekend, they were talking about the case, and it sounded like they thought that the daughter or the family uh, member was four years old. You're saying the daughter was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the report said uh, from my sources it was under uh, 14 years old, and the daughter is 13. And I'm hearing source- sources from Cain uh, Velasquez's teammates over at American Kickboxing Academy that it was, in fact, his daughter. But, okay. you know, that's what the team has heard, and that's what the team has posted. Online do, we as know, well, de- so. do we know details? Did she, did, was this a one-time occurrence? Was this an ongoing thing? I heard from NBC Bay, uh, Bay Area that, that uh, some filings said that the molestation might have happened over 100 times, which that's a crazy number. So, uh, but, uh, you know, 100 times, that sounds kind of crazy, but it could be true, but uh, hopefully it wasn't that amount, uh, but it looks like it's been going on for a while. And based upon the circumstances, it would appear that Cain Velasquez was not privy to this information until literally last week, correct? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the case got heard on Friday. The arraignment happened with Harry Goulart and it took him uh, like three to four days for Cain to maybe get this information and to, you know, ha- make it a premeditated uh, attempted murder. So let me ask you, you're saying the, the case... Let me let me go back because I'm not I'm not sure I'm following. So did so the, this gentleman uh, we shouldn't call him a gentleman. The slime ball that was arraigned was he arraigned because there was a reported molestation incident, or was he arraigned yeah. after Kane had already attempted to shoot and kill him? Oh no, that, that he was arraigned before. Yeah. Okay. So on Friday of last week, uh, he was arraigned and he re- he was released from the police station. Then, so somebody uh, somebody reported it, uh, and obviously Kane knew about it at this point while this piece of crap was arraigned. Um, Kane obviously was sitting at home and, and having to deal with the uh, uh, torturous emotions, knowing that his daughter has been uh, allegedly been abused. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was Friday. Friday was when Goodlart was released. Uh, even he was released despite objections from the the court, and uh, he was released. Then three days later, Kane, you know, chased him down in his car and shot at uh, his stepfather. And, but he didn't shoot at. The, he wasn't trying to kill the stepfather. He was actually trying to shoot at the perp. Yeah, yeah, he was trying to shoot at the accused pedophile. Which uh, that situation is just unfortunate because I mean. You know, if you're trying to shoot your the the guy who did that to your daughter, you know, you shoot his stepfather. I mean, you know, that's a missed missed shot, and uh, I feel like it kind of makes things worse because an uh, innocent or innocent guy harboring an accused pedophile was uh, hurt. Right. Yeah, this is a very sad and disturbing situation all around. Um, I'm a father of three daughters, so the I can't even fathom those feelings that Kane must have been feeling for those days while he probably was counting down for this guy to get out. I'm actually shocked that he took it, that he wanted to go the lethal route. And again, nobody knows how somebody feels. I want to get into some of the legal stuff. I I actually am an attorney. I've never practiced, but I learned, I have a legal education. So, um, because I think that I think that Kane is, is facing some serious stuff here, but I also think there are mitigating circumstances um, but as a father, I can't imagine what that feeling must have been like knowing that this human being, an older man in his 40s, has been doing something so disgusting and despicable to your flesh and blood, to your own daughter. But I'm, I really, I'm, I'm uh, this, tell me if you felt the same way, Chris, you know, following these guys and you, you report with, on these guys. Aren't you somewhat surprised that he went the lethal route instead of just trying to hunt this guy down with his bare hands? I feel like because we all know Cain Velasquez, you know the the former UFC heavyweight champion, the guy who knocked out Junior Dos Santos, the guy who's capable of murder inside the octagon if it wasn't for a referee. You know we we've seen him in these dogfights and these wars. So for Cain to use a gun, un- unfortunately, he shouldn't have used a gun. I mean, you know, it's just I understand that he wants to kill the guy. I understand that he wants to punish him. Uh, make the ultimate punishment be the judge during an executioner, but you know, using a gun makes it worse for him, especially in the state of California. Right. So I feel Jorogan uh, echoed the same sentiment where he shouldn't have used a gun. He, you know, if he wanted to do less time, maybe just beating him up with his bare hands would have. I mean, he's already dangerous without his uh, his weapons are his hands, so. It's just, I yeah, feel he like would have, he would have likely killed, better. he would have likely killed the man, but he mm-hmm. would have likely done it using his bare hands, which uh, again, this is a very complex, complex case because it's, um, it's a, it's a killing or an attempted killing in passion, in the heat of passion. The, the issue that they're going to have, Chris, and this is something that you guys should look into potentially if you're reporting on it. I think, and I haven't seen this, but I'm pretty sure that this is the case. The issue they're going to have is, his team's going to say that this was an attempted thing based upon the heat of passion. The tricky thing is how long will the courts give them that heat of passion window? And what I'm saying is, is that um, in murder cases or a lot of times what happens is there's a mitigating defense called heat of passion killing. And there's like three or four circumstances where somebody that ends up killing another human being may have a lesser or reduced charge 
because they did so in the heat of passion and, and something that that is completely unexpected and it makes you uncontrollable and you do something so you end up killing somebody because it, it, here's a perfect example you come home uh, from a work work trip you come home a day early um, to surprise your wife and she's in bed with another man in your own home mm-hmm. and and this has happened a lot of to a lot of there's been and then you end up killing uh, that man in the heat of passion you're not a, a you're not a very dangerous person you're not a psycho you're not a murderer per se but you have just committed a murder however you're going to get a mitigated uh a, a mitigated sentence or a mitigated uh you know accusation or what they're going to try you for because you did that act in the heat of passion he's going to make the same argument here chris and that and that's what mm-hmm. i would do but again, will they allow four days? That's why I was asking you this before. He knew about this. This guy was arraigned. This was this guy had a few days in, in jail and then was released. How how long? This is going to be very interesting to follow. How long will the California courts, if this is the charge that he's going to be accused of, attempted murder, will they mitigate it to like a manslaughter or attempted voluntary manslaughter or involuntary manslaughter, I think it is, because of that heat of passion? It's very hard to say because, I mean, he could have known for since Friday and, you know, planted it, maybe scoped out, hey, where does this guy live? Uh, where, where does he go usually? That's the issue. Oh, what's his car? And, right. you know, it's, I mean, it would be kind of hard to navigate him in just like a day. So, I mean, he could have t- taken the whole weekend to uh, investigate him, see where he goes, chase him down. And, you know, he got the truck and he had a gun on him too. So he shot the truck. He even dented the truck as well, rammed mm-hmm. into it at the highway. So uh, I got to tell you, Chris, say, I I'm sorry. I, I don't think oh, there's, a, I don't think that even the, I'm sure the prosecutors, I'm sure everyone in that community, you see people walking around with free cane shirts outside of the courthouse and all of these fighters and people in the media and public coming out and saying, you know, let this guy be free. The issue is you, you can't let him be free because if you let him be free, than everybody else that could then just take the law into their own hands and go and try to kill people for doing despicable things. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I definitely agree because I get what Kano was trying to do and I get why he would do it, but you can't just free a guy like that where, you know, he shot an innocent bystander, a guy who was harboring uh, the guy he was trying to kill. So you shoot him, you shoot the wrong guy. And, you know, just shooting an innocent guy and trying to... And there's three people in that car. There's Harry Goulart, the accused pedophile, then his stepfather and uh, his sister. So just he put the lives of three people in danger when he was only gunning for one. Yeah. And you can't you can't free... Unfortunately, you just can't do that because, I mean, what stops other people from doing the same exact thing and getting away from, uh, getting away from it? Yeah, this is so sad, man. Because Kane's going to be serving some time behind bars, and, and, and yeah, all like those, 20, a, a, over a, twenty years. Yeah, he's facing a minimum of twenty to life. Is that the California penal code? Is that is that correct? Yeah. So I heard uh, a couple days before the the court, it was like fifteen to life, or uh, but now it's like twenty to life, uh, twenty or to life. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's around there. That's very. I mean, that's an absurd – I think that that's most likely, if I was betting, I'd say there's probably less than 1% chance he spends life in prison for this. 
Um, I don't think he'll I think spend life gonna... because of his. Um... Because I feel like when you're famous, it's easier to get off some of these things. Like uh, O.J. Simpson, he did the crime, and he got off. Uh, I believe. Um, what do you a mean, boxer. Chris? Nobody ever proved that O.J. did it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm just kidding. After watching, <laughs> after watching that documentary, I'm like, okay, yeah, this guy did it. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Javante uh, uh, Davis. He. Um, he did like a hit and run and he was supposed to be getting seven years and then literally months after the case he was guilty he's like fought another fight in the boxing ring so it's like you know when you have this status as a professional fighter as a somebody that's really famous especially with Kane of him being a former UFC champion I feel like he'll he won't get a life sentence I don't think he'll get a little bit probably less time than we think but I think he's still going to get a long while in there I get. I agree with you. I think it's again. This is so preliminary right now. But by the time that this is tried and heard, or they may just even take a settlement. I don't even know. If he, he may just have to take a settlement deal and spend a, a couple years behind bars, which is most likely what's going to happen. I would think. Mm-hmm. Listen, if he's, and, uh, if he's if he's if he pulled the trigger and did this, it, it, unless he claims no, this is not me. You got the wrong guy. If he if he's the one that did this and admits to have doing it, then uh, he's going to have to do something. He's going to have to at least spend some time behind bars. I do agree with you. It will not be nearly as much as maybe some other people do, but there are mitigating because there are mitigating circumstances. A celebrity may be one of them without the le- the law really calling it one, but it allows people to know who you are publicly, your persona. Everyone knows Kane's a good dude. He's been a a great role model. He's not a bad a guy. Man. So. There's probably a lot of mitigated circumstances, hopefully, for this guy. Mm, for sure, for sure. And even if he gets a, a quite a bit of years in prison, I mean, who's going to mess with Cain Velasquez in prison? I mean, you, you got to think about <laughs> no. it like that. Like, nobody's going to fight him in prison. Gonna but I, I feel bad for him that now he's going to be separated from his daughters, the ones that he tried to so unbelievably protect. Uh, what a screwed for up to get out. Yeah. What a screwed up I got to tell you. The law isn't it, it, the law is flawed because any human being that has molested and again these are all allegations we don't this, this is not this hasn't been proven in the court of law but if this guy did really do the these despicable acts to Kane's daughter and whoever else usually there's more than one victim um, the law has got to be different you, you, these guys shouldn't be walking the streets they shouldn't they shouldn't be free on I don't know man it's just there's it causes these types of situations. These guys should be put away and kept away forever. But the problem again, I'm playing the other side now as I'm talking out is that you got to prove that the guy's guilty first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I, I feel like the the pedophile. He said that uh, he was at the daycare, which is owned by his mom, and he said that he was helping kids put on pants or like in the restroom. So mm-hmm. it's like you know, it's just. Uh, you know, we don't know the full story because we weren't there, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's just unfortunate for all sides. Well, TBD, I am, am going to be watching that, and I know your uh, your news services, I'm sure MMA Island, the others, you guys will be covering this story ongoing, so... Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. We look Constant forward to... Constant updates on it. Yeah, we look forward to uh, to, to watching that. Um, so let's move on. Let's move on to past this, this craziness of the legal news with Kane. And um, and move to last night's fights, UFC 272. Uh, the only real fight that I cared about was the main event, um, Colby versus 
Masvidal. Give us your rundown, Chris. What did it go as you expected it to go, and uh, what did you see? Yeah, so it was actually exactly how I thought it was going to go down. Uh, Colby Covington put on a brilliant performance against Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. It was just a five round domination. Uh, honestly, I might be a little bit biased because I, I do like Colby, uh, but I, I think it was a. I think he won all five rounds going into the distance. Uh, but you know, Jorge just didn't have anything for him. Even when he rocked him, he was too tired, too worried about the takedown to go through, if anything. So Colby, it, he just continues to prove that he uh, should be the UFC champion if Kamaru Usman wasn't champion. Where does Colby go next? I feel like the Dustin Poirier fight, I, I feel like that was an excellent call-out, and it just makes sense in terms of another rivalry. Um, you know, with another eight American top team guy, Dustin Poirier is a big name. He's headlined off the best. You know, uh, he's coming off two or three pay-per-view headliners in 2021. So I feel like that's the fight to make. Um, I feel like with Colby, you know, if you put him against other guys like uh, Usman and, you know, other guys in the welterweight division, I feel like he doesn't sell that many pay-per-views. But if you put him against a guy like a, a heated rival like Jorge Masvidal that's going to be doing big numbers like it did last night probably – and with Dustin Poirier, I feel like the names match up and it's like a puzzle, you know, the pieces just fit well together. And I feel like that fight's very good stylistically for him and uh, it's definitely going to sell some pay-per-views if that fight happens. I totally agree with that. I don't think there's much, very many things exciting for him at 170 besides the, the championship fight, which he's done twice already. Oh, and two, granted they were close fights. Uh, so he needs to do something that's more of a money maker, a wow, a, a big heated rivalry. The Dustin Poirier, the, the Poirier rivalry is turning out to be even more heated than the Masvidal one. Mm -hmm. um, and, and here's something else that I noticed that really drives me crazy. I've been watching some of the post-fight interviews, and I was watching some of the fight interviews pre uh, going into this week, Chris, with uh, with Colby. And he was doing it at the press conference. I know you've seen this. He's saying he's calling Dustin a cuck, and, and he keeps saying you're Jezebel of a wife and that prop of a kid. And he keeps saying Connor McGregor, that's Connor's kid. Why does nobody in the media give a follow-up question? This guy's said this 20 times already in the last three days. Uh, nobody says, can you elaborate? What do you mean? You're, you're accusing Dustin, uh, uh, Dustin Poirier's wife of uh, uh, bearing a child with Connor McGregor. Nobody asked the follow-up question. Yeah, I feel like nobody really takes it seriously because Kobe's been, you know, talking out of his butt for the last, uh, what, six, five, five or six years now. So it's like with the media, it's like I feel like a lot of people just don't take him seriously in terms of his, like him saying that's Connor's kid because, I mean, nobody's going to think that's true, you know. I, I, so I, I totally like agree with you, Chris. From from an outsider standpoint, I I put myself in those guys' shoes, and what I, at least how I think I would handle it, because every reporter says ask the same damn questions. Oh yeah, for and it's sure. like guys, he's giving he's teeing up somebody to say, hey, listen, this is you're so you're you're saying that that's Conor McGregor's child. What are you talking about? Please elaborate. You know, like I don't know, just something. Everyone always just moves, and I know it's pro, it's theatrical, and it's like WWE style. But man, I, I'd like to hear more about what he throws these things out there, and it's like, tell us, tell us, <laughs> tell you have. Do you know something we don't? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I feel like he's playing off of uh, Connor's infamous lines at uh, the UFC 264 press conference, where uh, he said that uh, Dustin Dustin's wife had been 
DMing him. So Kobe just he he you know he likes to get some clicks every once in a while. He likes to throw out stuff like that. And you know if he throws enough uh, lines, you know he'll get the get the hook on uh, on the fight with Dustin. I feel like you know if he says enough things to make the fight that personal, it's not just because Dustin said that he'll he won't fight him in the UFC that he'll fight him on the street. But if Colby keeps talking reckless like this, Dustin's gotta fight him at some point. It's just like yeah. I feel like he's trying to make the fight like unavoidable for Dustin at this point. Yeah, he knows it's a huge money fight, and he's gonna just he's gonna slam him, and he's gonna go below the belt, and he's gonna bring his kid and his wife into it. He's gonna he's gonna haunt this guy until the guy takes a fight with him. That's for sure. I for sure. Totally agree with you. Let me play a couple clips though. Again, sticking on Colby the heel, um, and he's really stuck to the script, and he's he's neat. You know, he's deep in it now, so he's not turning back. Um, but a couple clips from last night again. Him going at the these different reporters. One's John Morgan, and one's Kevin Ioli. I want to play the sound bites uh, that you actually have on your MMA Island Instagram page, and then I want to hear your reaction to these. So. Uh, the first one is uh, John Morgan must be asking Colby a question. John's the, the guy that always asks the first question at the post-fight press conference. Here it is. Colby, congratulations on a uh, very thorough victory this evening. I'm just curious how you're feeling after the performance tonight. Ten push-ups, John. Congrats. That was the first one, and let's go to the next one. Sanyos for the title. Does this fight compare with that, this win? Weren't you just writing an article talking shit? Like, I was trying to be nice to you. I was talking shit? Yeah, you said some stupid-ass shit about George in this fight, man. You're fake news, man. No one wants to. I didn't say that. I ain't answering you either. Next question. We'll be right here. Just one question. So, maybe that's just, hey, maybe I answered my own question, Chris. Maybe nobody wants to ask the follow-up question because they don't know if it's going to piss the guy off. But anyways, talk about what's the beef with Colby and uh, John Morgan, first off? Uh, so John Morgan, I actually read an article that he did today, just reacting to all that. So, but supposedly, this is how the story goes. Uh, supposedly, uh, John Morgan said something about Colby that he didn't deserve a a title rematch against Kamaru Usman, and Colby Covington didn't like that, obviously, because I mean, you know, ahead of the fight, you know, he just doesn't think that he doesn't have a place for what J- John Morgan allegedly said. Uh, but reading up on what John Morgan said uh, earlier today, he didn't. He he said that he wasn't aware of him ever saying that. So it might have been just a miscommunication between the two parties. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's kind of crazy. John Morgan said that was incredibly annoying too, because now every time he has an interaction with Colby, uh, he's getting pelted with comments like, "Hey, bro, just do the push-ups," you know. Like and people are calling him flappy butt, which Kobe that's what Kobe calls him. So I find the situation kind of funny, but if I was John Morgan, I would either do the push ups or uh just not ask Kobe any more questions, honestly. Yeah, I think John Morgan's gotta just play along with it and do the damn push ups. I think that would make him a star. <laughs> yeah. Do the it's just like it, it's kinda of like a lose lose situation where it's like you either don't get the question that you want and you always get the first question, so for him to always get the first question and not be able to use it on Colby, that's kind of useless. Uh, but at the same time, if he does the push-ups, people are going to call him, like, all sorts of names. Like, how, you, you know, you did what Colby wanted you to, you know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so I agree, it's kind I of like agree a lose, with that, lose. but sometimes you got to put the ego. Look, look at uh, – this just popped. Look at the Tyron Woodley getting the tattoo. I love Jake Paul. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I, that, I think it's, that was, I think that was really freaking ridiculous too. But sometimes you gotta just do. You, you go along with it. You do it to to better your own situation. It, it is. Mm-hmm. It is a lose lose from in the current moment. I mean, yeah, people forget about it over time. You know, like with if John Morgan does like with the Woodley tattoo thing, it's like not that much, I don't even think about it too often anymore. In the moment, I did, but now exactly. it's just like it's on his finger. You can't really see it, so I don't really care about it. And then the Kevin Ioli thing. I saw him. He was on an interview with Kevin Ioli actually a couple of days before the fight. And Ioli actually even um, uh, said he put Colby in his top 10 or top 15 pound for pound after they had that that interview. I noticed that. But uh, apparently he ended up writing an article. I saw you copy the headline of the article, something about Jorge Masvidal is not fake like his opponent. What What do you know about this situation? Uh, yeah, so actually did some digging on the article and – Kevin Ioli is very outspoken, should I say. I feel like he leaves uh, – his headlines are kind of crazy. At t- I respect him as a journalist, but his headlines could be kind of crazy sometimes, uh, could be very biased. Um, he does kind of like – I'm not sure if he has a certain political agenda, but that's what it's looking like where I feel like uh, – I'm not sure if you saw his story on Alexander Yusik, the, the boxing heavyweight champion. Uh, in the story covering about his ways on the his opinion on the Ukraine war uh, with Russia's invasion, he said that Usyk signed his death warrant by saying bad stuff about Putin. And it's like, you know, that that headline's kind of out of left field, and it was all written by Kevin Ioli. So I feel like Kevin, you know, he kind of goes for crazy headlines sometimes regarding politics and stuff like that. Uh, in this last article about Colby, he said that. Uh, Colby was fake basically and he was uh, digging into Colby's past you know his past antics saying he was a registered Democrat uh, so it's just with <laughs> Kevin Ioli it's just you never know what it is with him it's just I feel like he puts a lot of bias into his articles and obviously I, uh, the one that he wrote about Colby was the editorial so I understand but at the same time you know it's kind of like keep that same energy with the, the people that you write about you know right 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 Interesting. Well, they're both on your uh, MMA Island Instagram. Anyone wants to check it out? What is it? MMA.island? Is that? Uh, yes, yeah. that's correct. MMA.island. Um, and are you running that page or do you have somebody else running that? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I founded that page back in 2019. Uh, I started it back in high school, junior, uh, sophomore year of high school. And it was actually a main page. And as I got older, junior year, senior year, that's when I started the make something of it, you know, get into the media, media realm, do interviews with uh, former UFC champions, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you know, over time, as I matured in high school, I just matured the page and from memes to media, that's kind of how I got my start. That's beautiful. Of all the guys you've interviewed so far in your young career, uh, Chris, who's your favorite? Uh, it actually is a girl. It's uh, Joanna Yonjajic, the former UFC starweight champion, uh, I interviewed her back uh, last summer, and she's my favorite fighter of all time. So for me to deliver an interview with her, uh, you can check it out on my YouTube. Uh, but that one was just a big honor for me because I was working for that for many years, even before I got into this uh, media stuff. So I oh, think that awesome. interview really uh, – it's the highlight of my, my career besides talking of Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker for sure. Yeah, hey, listen, you – you set the bar high for yourself, man, after that press conference. I didn't realize that was you that said that, but what a great question. 
you got Izzy to give the uh, promo and Joe <laughs> Rogan, the whole world watched that thing millions of times. So uh, we'll look to see what you have up your sleeve next. Is there anyone else in the media? We've talked about John Morgan. He's been around. Kevin Ioli. These guys have been around for a long time. Uh, that you look up to, that you respect, that you like their style? And if so, who is it? Uh, so one guy that really inspired me to go after this dream of just being a reporter, uh, dreams of going to ESPN, because I'm, I'm 19 years old and I turn 20 tomorrow. And, oh, uh, you know, uh, thank you. Thank you. And uh, one of my goals is to get the ESPN by uh, hopefully 30 years old. But uh, one guy that really inspired me to go after this was uh, Ariel Hawani, uh, one of the pro- most prominent journalists in the game right now. And uh, like like I said before, I got into this right as COVID hit. And uh, I popped open my uh, YouTube and I saw Ariel Hawani doing interviews from home. You know, a home setup, uh, nothing special. I was like, hey, you know, I I, I could do that. And uh, Ariel has a very high output of stuff. Uh, has very interesting questions. Not he's not asking the fighters the same questions that everybody else is asking. You know, he kind of goes out of the box with it. Gets very good storylines out of it. So I kind of aspire to be like him. And uh, that's he's definitely one of my inspirations. Nice. Well, hopefully, the only difference between you and him is that you'll actually have a good relationship with Dana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it might be because of my nose, uh, because of his nose. So, like, I have a regular shaped nose. So I, I think, I think it should be fine. Hey, uh, I, I, like I said, I really appreciate this. I, it was, it's good to connect with you and uh, do a little UFC talk. Um, people that want to uh, find you more about your company, about your websites, where should they, where should they find you online? Uh, so I'm the editor in chief for MiddleEasy.com. Uh, not yet. This. This is actually my one-year anniversary with them, so shout out to them for getting me the job and the UFC credentials. Uh, hope to go again at UFC uh, this summer. Uh, but yeah, you can find my Instagram at Chris DeSantiago, D-E-S-A-N-T-I-A-G-O, uh, on Instagram, and uh, you can find me on Twitter, Chris D underscore MMA. Uh, I do a lot of coverage. I post a lot of my questions on there, and uh, also MMA Islands. Uh, we have eighty-five followers a big platform for me to you know spread my content out uh, but thanks so much Nate for the the podcast appearance I uh, just thank you so much yo absolutely man actually you're almost at 86,000 on MMA Island ooh nice good news good news so uh, keep doing what you're doing and we'll be watching you man and uh, thanks for coming on all the best to you and look forward to uh, see your continued reporting awesome thanks so much Nate appreciate you Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Optimal Life Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And you could also leave a review. Apple Podcasts, of course, you could leave reviews and ratings. Spotify, you could leave reviews and ratings. And several and many other podcast apps, wherever you may be listening, please tell a friend, tell a family member, let them know about the podcast, and we will see you next time.